it, so call me back. Okay, love you. Hello, mate. <laughs> Welcome back to Emotionally Online, the show for spilling guts and sharing secrets, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Maddie Drosbeck. I was just scrolling on Instagram Reels, which since deleting TikTok, I've definitely been scrolling on Reels more, but I find that Reels are usually more, it's usually fashion videos. I'm just like scrolling through outfits and people doing those like cleaning Reels or like morning routine Reels. They're like, it's just cute and fun. I love videos like that. I'm like, brain is off. I'm just watching someone clean their kitchen. I love it. I live for it. And then outfit content I always love because I'm watching people be sexy and I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm storing some ideas. I like what you're doing. Maybe I'll do something similar. Anyways, the one genre of reel that I always get pushed that I just fucking hate like, I hate these people so much. They're maybe my least favorite genre of people on the internet is people that sell uh, courses. They'll make these reels where they're, like, talking about their income of what they made for the last year. And they'll – but they'll always position it like, what I made last year being a content creator. And it'll be, like, an extreme amount of money a month. They're making, like – a month something fucking insane like that like they're making a whole salary every month they're just like posting it they're they're like yearly recap of what they made in the last year and then it's like read in the bio or read in the description for more and you go to read it and it's like they're making all their money by selling courses on how to be an influencer how to be a content creator so it's like I can't, I cannot fucking stand these people. Seriously, they piss me off so much because they're selling all these people that are vulnerable and just want to make money or be creative to have their content reach people. They're seeking out these vulnerable fucking people and being like, I'll teach you how. And so you pay this random influencer for a course on how to become an influencer when the influencer selling the course is making all of their money from the course not for making content. They don't fucking know how to make content creation a full-time career. What they do know how to do is make a bullshit course and get vulnerable people to buy it. I can't. It pisses me off. Do not ever, do not ever buy a course from some fucking influencer telling you how to become a full-time content creator. I'll tell you right now how to become a full-time content creator. Consistency and good shit. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. Send emails, pitch yourself, You can find all of this information for free on the internet. I promise you there are no secrets. These people are scammers. I hate them. (laughs) I hate them so much. You were like, look at me. I'm super fucking rich from being a content creator. You should trust me. And it's like, but you're not. You're not making money off content. You're making money off selling a course, teaching people how to make money being a content creator. I can't. I can't. It literally grinds my gears. It's just like, It's like a fucking MLM. It's the same fucking thing. And people get so sucked into it. Anyways, every time I see those videos on IG Reels, I'm like, you fucking course-creating motherfuckers. I hate you. I hate you. My God, you do not need to take a course teaching you how to become an influencer. I'm sorry, you fucking don't. Literally, just make your fun little videos. Make things that make you happy, that you love creating. Do it consistently. And just give it time. That's it. That's the whole thing. You do not need to shell out hundreds of dollars on a course to teach you how to become a full-time content creator. I fucking can't. Those people are con artists. <laughs> and they're like, look, see, I'm so rich and successful. Not from being a full-time content creator, but from tricking people into paying you money so you can tell them the secrets, the secrets of the trade, when you could just get it for free on the internet. I can't. I can't stand those people. They're like one of my least favorite genres of people on the internet. I can't. These fucking course creators. You guys are mostly scammers. Not saying that all courses are scams, but I'm I'm willing to lock in and say that any course teaching you how to become an influencer is a scam. And those people are making all their money off of you believing that they can teach you, not on them actually being a successful content creator on their own. Just saying. (laughs) Also, I think it's so funny going off of that sort of in the same vein but 
uh, different, but I'll also get people just like posting their monthly income. They'll do those reels where they post what their monthly income was every month of the year. And I'm like, are you guys not worried about being robbed? Like, what? why are you just posting this on the internet? And then people are in the comments like, yes, salary transparency. And I'm like, is that the same thing? Because I think it's not. <laughs> I think that like salary transparency among co-workers or people in the same field is one thing like I think content creators should have transparency to what other content creators are charging for the same thing but like should your audience of two million know exactly what you made last year I don't know I don't know if they should that feels dangerous no <laughs> I just feel like I don't know I feel like just giving away that kind of information if you make past a certain amount of money, but you don't have like security or like anyone protecting your home, like these people just live in apartments and they're like, yep, I make this amount of money a year. I'm like, Do you, should you be telling people that though? That seems a little dangerous. <laughs> There's crazy people out here. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyways, thoughts of the day on the IG real rabbit hole. Um, we've had kind of a crazy week. Podcast is back to being posted on Fridays. We switched to Wednesdays during the Love Island season just so I could get the episodes out earlier on in the week so I'm not too far behind the cycle. But now that the Love Island season is over, we're going back to Fridays being the designated posting day. So I will see you guys on Fridays from now on. But... I went to a speed dating event for the first time this week. I mentioned that last week on the podcast. Went to a speed dating event on Tuesday. I won't say too much about it here because I am making a YouTube video about the whole experience where I'll go uh, more in depth about the whole thing. But overall, it was a fun time. Some of the people were really great. Some of the people were really not so great, which I feel like is expected with speed dating. Um, it's a mixed bag, right? But I, I, overall it was fun. You know, the goal was not to walk out of there being like the love of my life. (laughs) The goal was to get out there, meet new people, get some numbers, get out of your comfort zone. And I did all of that. So I felt really happy about the whole thing. I felt real good. Um, I had gotten there early, mingled with people beforehand, did the whole speed dating thing stayed later, mingled afterwards. And then I ended up going to a different bar with some of the people that I met. So I pushed myself way out of my fucking comfort zone. Um, hanging out with a bunch of fucking strangers <laughs> and doing speed dating, but it was actually so much fun. I'll, I'm going to save most of my specific stories for the video, but I'll, I'll tell you guys one of them. You know, there's probably like 15 dates that you go on you get four minutes for each date maybe 15 is a lot maybe it was like 12 I don't know there was like a good amount of people there um you go on those dates four minutes each person and then at the very end they have you fill out a survey to write like your top three so I filled out the survey immediately and I wrote down my top three of the people that I went out on dates with of the people I wrote in my top three, I ended up getting all of their numbers after the event when we were just talking anyways. So I think normally what you would do is you would like fill out their survey and they would connect you after the fact and be like, oh, you both put each other down. But I got all those people's numbers anyways, so I suppose it didn't matter. One of the guys who wasn't in my top three came up to me and asked for my number after speed dating and I gave it to him because he was cute but our conversation was a little dry and I was just like I didn't think anything of it I was just like okay I mean you only have four minutes so when he asked me for my number I was like okay maybe it's just like a bad conversation gave him my number and he was texting me the next day you know, just light conversation, talking a little bit more about dating, what we're looking for. He asked me what I valued in a relationship, what I like look for in a partner. So we're having a conversation about that. And he was like, I threw it back on him. I was like, well, what what would you say? What's your answer for that? And he was like, well, I think it would be easier to just show you my list of manifestations. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
that which that feels like very intimate to show anyone let alone someone that you met for four minutes the night before but okay I'll 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 read it and he sends me a three-page like girlfriend manifesto let me read I'll read you like some of the lines (laughs) because it was like I was like whoa what the first line is I intend and attract a girlfriend into my life now My girlfriend is secure, beautiful, confident, honest, sincere, intellectual, loyal, faithful, peaceful, happy, prosperous, prosperous, sweet, understandable, graceful, and is readily available to me. These qualities which I admire in my girlfriend are sinking down into my subconscious mind now. So this was the opening line of a three-page manifesto on what he's looking for in a partner. A lot of it is like normal things, and then a lot of it is very not normal things. (laughs) But I was like... Either way, even if this essay was full of normal things, why am why do I have access to this? Like, why was I sent this? I knew you for four minutes. This is crazy. <laughs> but my my favorite part of uh my f- favorite two parts of this were the sentence that says, "My girlfriend has an amazingly natural and lean body with big boobs and a big butt," and I was like, "You met me in person." <laughs> Like, you know, maybe you should have tailored this like a cover letter or something. Like, you knew that I was a big bitch. I met you in person. We went on a little date. You asked for my number. You send me a list of intentions and manifestations for your potential girlfriend. And you have written in there that you want a very natural and lean girl. I don't know if lean would be the word to describe me. I do have big titties, big butt. I don't know. I don't know that I have a big butt. I have big thighs, but I think the butt itself is probably quite normal. I don't know. I don't, I just don't know if what you're describing is me. (laughs) And, um, then it gets like worse and it, it goes down and it's like, my girlfriend does not have any traumas. My girlfriend does not bring any emotional baggage to our relationship. I'm like, okay, well, that's not realistic for anyone above the age of like 13, right? Like everybody has some type of trauma or baggage to expect someone to end for a relationship being like fresh out of the womb, never been hurt before. Nothing bad has ever happened. It's just like a little fucking ridiculous. He also says that his girlfriend should not have any mental illnesses in here. there's just no way that you're sending this to real people that you've known for four minutes anyways there's a lot of crazy shit in there so anyways I was sitting in my bed like losing my fucking mind laughing because I was like how do I have access to this why am I able to read this (laughs) anyways I don't know how to describe that I don't know how to explain that or why 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 I was given that but it did give me a good chuckle Listen, we weren't expecting speed dating to all of a sudden only have eligible bachelors. We knew that there are weirdos everywhere. But um, overall, it was a great experience. I would totally do it again. I met some really cool people that, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll go out again. Maybe we won't. Either way, I think the experience was super fun. The people there were cool. And it's a good exercise in, like, getting out of your comfort zone in general. I'll talk more in the video about all of it, but... Yeah, I wanted to tell that story on the podcast because I'm probably not going to include that in the video because <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> My girlfriend should be natural and lean. Lean. No, Mm-mm. no, 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 that's not me. Also, that's so funny that you would send that to somebody that's like not. <laughs> It's not that. It's like, okay, well, you already know that I'm fat. So why are you sending me this? Do you think that I am just like cool with someone not being attracted to me or like seeing my body, my physical appearance as like, oh, it's okay. Like she has big boobs. So I'll forgive the rest of her body. Like, do you think that I would actually be okay dating someone like that? 
I want someone to be fucking obsessed with me. I want them to look at my body and think that I'm the most gorgeous thing that's ever touched the face of the fucking planet. Okay. There's no way. There's no way I would ever date someone that would like settle for me or be like, "Hmm, that's okay. I wish she looked like this. No wrong babes. You like big bitches or you go home. (laughs) That's it. No mental illnesses. (laughs) but it actually surprised me the speed dating itself because i thought that they were going to give us questions so that you wouldn't get like just roped into small talk conversations which they did give us some questions but the questions they gave us sucked so we never ended up using them and I actually had great conversations all around and none of them really ended up being small talky. They all ended up going down different paths that were actually quite interesting for four minute conversations. So I was pleasantly surprised with like the quality of conversations that I had and how they weren't small talky. I feel like I talked quite a bit about the fact that I do trivia I talked quite a bit about books, about reading, about podcasts that I listen to. Uh, I talked to one of them about like high school prom. I don't know how that conversation came up. I think they had said that they moved to New York around the time they were in high school and they grew up in a different country and they, they were like shocked to find out that like high school prom and cotillion and all those things were like actually real in the same way they were in the movies and not like a made-up thing and so we got into this big conversation about like high school proms and traditions and shit and I was sitting reflecting in like the car home afterwards about how like truly bizarre a lot of those traditions are my high school we had a tradition it was called grand march I've never heard of another school that's done something like this, but before prom, Grand March happens like an hour before prom, two hours before prom, and what it is is they set up the entire gymnasium of the school with chairs and everything, and they have a stage up at the front, and they make all of the couples walk in and up onto the stage and through the aisles while all of like the parents in the town just like comes and sits and watches everyone and applauds as you walk up and you have to do it twice it's like once for pictures and then another one just to go through I don't know but they make you walk up on a stage with your date and like take pictures and then go and then you get in your like party buses from the bus loop of the school But every time I've told someone about that, they're like, that's so fucking bizarre. But that's why nobody ever wanted to go to prom alone, because then you would have to go up on the Grand March stage alone, which is like, it's one thing to be confident enough to go to prom by yourself, but it's a whole other thing to be confident enough to go to prom alone and then walk up on the stage by yourself in front of a hundred people all of the parents in the town, all of your classmates. Like that's, that's a lot of bravery for like a 16 year old, I would say. And I think even like a year after my prom, I looked back and was like, I wish that I didn't bring a prom date. And that was no shade to my prom date. He was a friend of mine at the time. We did theater together. He was from a different town. So he didn't know any of my friends or like anyone that I went to school with. So I think that like the whole night I was very concerned about like, is he having a good time? Is he feeling comfortable? Like what, what can I do to make sure he has a good night? And I was like so concerned about him because he didn't know anybody that afterwards I was kind of like, I probably would have had the same exact experience if I just went by myself. But I think at the time I was probably, there was probably like some kind of underlying embarrassment or shame for not being asked to prom. I knew I wasn't going to get asked to prom. (laughs) Like there was no shot of someone asking me. So it was never a matter of like, is someone going to ask me? I knew no one was going to ask me, but the boys that I grew up with just never liked me. The women that I grew up with were totally fine, but the boys that I grew up with like relentlessly bullied me and even if they themselves weren't bullying me I think that it was sort of like uncool to be nice to me or to befriend me um 
fat phobia, being a difficult, weird, creative theater girl. I don't know. Political. I have a lot of opinions. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why they were so mean to me, to be honest. <laughs> but I think that um, at the time, I probably felt some kind of underlying embarrassment or shame, even though, like, outwardly, I was always so tough. I was way tougher than I am now which I actually think is a bad thing. Like, I think it's a good thing that I'm more sensitive and like, um, how I feel very much shows on my external now in a way that it didn't when I was younger. Um, and I think that's a good thing, but I do think there was probably some level of like embarrassment or shame for not being asked to prom, knowing that I wasn't going to be asked to prom, even though I didn't want any of them to ask me. It was, like, just that underlying of, like, hmm, everyone else gets to experience this thing, and I don't for whatever reason. They don't like me for reasons that I don't really understand. And that's that. And so even though to to my – even though on the external, I think at the time I was very tough, and I was very much like, fuck these people. They all fucking suck. They're like the worst people imaginable. A lot of them were conservatives. So that explains a lot of that. (laughs) But I was always like, I don't, I don't need the approval of these people. They fucking suck, which is true. But also I, I think I also refused to acknowledge like why there was some kind of embarrassment or shame and not being asked to prom or not having any of the boys you grew up with, like even treat you with like an ounce of decency. (laughs) So That was something I unpacked as an adult. Um, So I don't know that I could have gone to prom by myself knowing that there was like an underlying embarrassment or shame that I wasn't really able to acknowledge at the time. Um, So no shade to my prom day, but if I did prom again from where I sit now, looking back on things or even, you know, one or two years after my prom, I probably wouldn't have gone with a date. Um... But yeah, other than that, my, my school literally banned dances when we were like freshmen. I want to say it was like end of my freshman year. They banned school dances. So prom was the only dance we had. It was junior prom and that was it. And that was the only one they banned school dances because people were grinding, I guess. And that was it. We had cotillion like once or twice. I Maybe that was before they banned them. Because I remember freshman year cotillion being so upset because the, the boy that I had a crush on was grinding with another girl. And it was like in the dark by Dev was playing. And I just like have such like a visceral memory of like being like my life is literally gonna be over. Like I'm gonna die. Let me go to the bathroom and cry and like in the dark is playing dance, dance, da, dance, dancing in the dark. Like that is so 2011 and I love that so much. <laughs> like I think at the time obviously it's just like oh my god this is so depressing. Like I'm 15 years old and this guy that I like is grinding with another girl but it's like the sheer visual of like crying in the bathroom while in the dark by Dev is playing is so funny. I love it. <laughs> I just love that era. I mean, I love like early 2000s and like a little bit of the 2010s. It's like early 2000s to 2012. Everything pre 2012 is nostalgic to me. So like in the dark by Dev is so funny. It's like Mr. Saxo beats going on and you're sobbing in the bathroom because some random guy is like half ass grinding in the school cafeteria. That's so good. It's so good. Oh my God. I actually don't think that I would be able to chaperone or supervise a school dance without like losing my fucking mind. I do not know how teachers and parents were just like supervising these dances, standing on the outside of the cafeteria, like watching all of their students do whatever the fuck we were doing. Like the grinding that happens when you're 15, 16 years old. That is so cringe. Like I I can't imagine what those teachers were going through because if it was me, and I was watching a bunch of my 15-year-old students sort of grind, I would be laughing my fucking ass off. 
there's no way i'm sorry i don't think i'd be able to keep it in like i love that for you live your life grind away but that's funny and they eventually ended up canceling the dances because i guess the grinding was so out of control slash i did hear rumors some whisperings of a dance that i didn't go to but i guess people had like brought a chair into the middle of the dance floor and people were like giving lap dances or something that's what i heard but i wasn't there <laughs> so who knows and this was also the year like 2011 so surely someone out there has the truth it's not me i just know the dances were banned and i remember being kind of pissed not that i ever went to any school sanctioned events really like i remember going to like the cotillions and sometimes i would go to like the regular school dances but i wasn't a very school spirited kind of gal um, but I remember being pissed when they canceled the dances, just like on surface level, like, oh, okay, we get to cancel the one thing that people actually go to. That's like a little bit fun for creative people. Like everyone goes to the football games. Everyone shows up for those things. Nobody goes to the theater shows. Then you have the dances that are maybe a happy medium for both, right? We get a little dancing going, a little fun times to some pop music, People come for different reasons. Other people come because they just want to like, I don't know, get their dick hard. But either way, it was something that we could all unite on. Both the football people and the theater people alike. And they were like, you know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> You're out. So no, no, no school dances. They also banned saying the word dice. We weren't allowed to say dice. That was in middle school. I'm not sure why. I guess gambling, but. I don't know why it was like, you can't say the word dice. Like why? I just don't think that that would help. <laughs> if, if gambling was the problem, if middle schoolers are gambling, I don't know that saying they can't say the word dice is going to change anything. But at the time, everyone used to say like no dice. I don't know what administration thought that meant, <laughs> but maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. I just remember we weren't allowed to say the word dice. And it was going to be a real problem if you got caught saying the word dice. I went to public school. Like, what is that? Why do you give a fuck who says the word dice? Dice. And I'm going to say it a hundred times. <laughs> like, I don't know that I'd ever said that word either. And then when you were in math class and you were using it, you had to say die instead. You can be like, pass me the dice. Pass me the die. I don't know if that's more grammatically correct. But either way, it's like you're 12 years old and you're going to be like, oh, I just want to, I need, I need the dice. Like, no, you can't say it. You need the die. I don't get it. <laughs> like there were a lot of weird things like that in my town. I don't know. I could go on. Anyways, <laughs> had a brief conversation about prom at speed dating and I just went on a whole little rabbit hole about it. But anyways, God, God bless 2011. I do miss those days. Not really, but in little ways. I miss the internet in that time. You know what? No, I do miss that time. Not because of school. School sucked. But I do think that like school sucking built my character in such a major way. <laughs> I mean, that's why I made my YouTube channel because people were so fucking mean to me. <laughs> so I went on the internet. I made my silly little videos. They bullied me for them at school. But the internet loved me. And I went home and I would go on my Tumblr blogs and I would have the best time of my fucking life. I would stay up till 4 a.m. on FaceTime with people I met on the internet. Like, I was living my best life back then. I really think that's why I am, like, funny and successful in any way as an adult is because of those years. So I don't take it back. I'm glad you all bullied me. <laughs> Honestly, that probably is why. I'm cool as an adult is that era of time. And it didn't feel that way at the time, but it does now looking back <laughs> very prominent. I think even like the stuff that I was so upset about as a teenager, like as a teenager, I was so constantly upset at the idea of me not having a boyfriend before college, which I knew wasn't going to happen but I was so upset about it <laughs> and I was like, it's so embarrassing that I've never had a boyfriend before going to college, which is like funny now looking back and it's like very sweet. Uh, I love like teenager worries, <laughs> like things that like feel so big when you're 15, 16 and then you get older and you're like, that's very sweet. 
I understand you. I feel for you. But it is very sweet to be like 15 years old being like, I haven't had a boyfriend and I'm about to go to college. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> it's like you're a baby. You know, like, I, I don't think there's there there's no like relationship that you can have as a 15 year old that is like comparative to an actual relationship. There's just no way you're not. Your brain isn't developed enough for that to make any sort of sense. But is the the wanting, I think, is very sweet. The wanting was like such a major part of my teenage experience. The wanting, the longing, the dreaming. I think all of that like really reinforced who I became too in a positive way. Damn it. Fuck. <laughs> and like looking back, I wanted, I wanted to have my first kiss so badly, so badly. I wanted to have sex so badly. I wanted all of it so badly. And none of that happened until after high school, after I graduated. But looking back at it all, I really do feel like very grateful that I got to be a kid when I was a kid. I think that I might have complained about it at the time. I might have been mad about it at the time, but I feel like I got to have like a very innocent childhood to be honest. I didn't I never tried alcohol until like my senior year of high school and I never drank regularly. It was like I tried it with a family friend. And then I think summer after I graduated, my friends and I started to like drink wine more when we were hanging out, but we never partied. I never got drunk until college. It was just like little drinks, a wine night, like my senior year and summer after high school. I never did drugs. I tried, I smoked weed once my senior year of high school as well, I think, also with a family friend. So I just, I don't know. I think at the time I probably felt like I was missing out on things or that I was so far behind but being an adult now looking back on all of it I actually feel very grateful that I got to have a pretty innocent childhood and that I wasn't worried about sex and relationships and drugs and alcohol when I was 14 15 years old and instead I was dreaming about having my first kiss being upset that it wasn't happening, crying in my bedroom, listening to fucking Arctic monkeys while I designed a Tumblr blog and, you know, losing my mind about One Direction. I love that that was my childhood. I think that's so sweet. And yeah, as much as my teenage self like was so desperate to have a more exciting life she so desperately wanted love and sex and she wanted to be cool and to party and be popular like I'm I'm so glad that wasn't my life because I think the fact that it wasn't has made me who I am today and I really like who I am today but yeah that is funny to look back on thank god sort of connected to that I feel like I've been thinking a lot Lately about how my relationship to sex specifically has changed so much in the last few years during the pandemic, really. And I think that's for a lot of reasons. I think one, I'm just different now than I was pre-pandemic. I feel like a completely different person. (laughs) Like night and fucking day. I think that like me in college I just don't really connect with who I was in college I think I was very confused I think I was very lost and I was trying hard to fit into boxes that I am not sure I ever fit into and I think that my relationship with sex in college was very much rooted in a lot of my insecurities and wanting validation and wanting to feel wanted, wanting to know that I could be wanted, even if it wasn't in the way that I wanted it to be, it was something. And I think the pandemic gave me the opportunity to just like stop all of it. You had to stop all of it, you know, like we couldn't be meeting up and seeking validation in the form of like, you know, hinge dates and, 
bumble matches like we had to do other things and so i think that it sort of triggered a a a, the beginning of a change in the way that i see sex and i i've talked about it before and you know how i'm not interested in casual sex now and why that is and you know sex being so much more emotional for me now than it was when i was in college and now I really do feel like I need a deep emotional connection with someone in order to be intimate. Like I, I need that sense of safety and security with my partners. And so I think the pandemic shifting how I was able to seek validation changed things. I think that the first time I got an STD changed things. And that was like 2018 the first and only time was I got chlamydia, I think in 2018. And I think after that moment, I started picking up a lot more on how like lackadaisical people were with protection with sex and how like I always wanted to use condoms. I always wanted double production. I was never like oh, I'm on birth control, so that's fine. We don't have to use a condom. I never felt that way. But I was often too scared to stand up for myself and say like, no, you have to use a condom. And I was with a lot of guys at the time who were very persuasive and would say that it didn't feel good. They didn't want to. They wanted to be close to me. And I was not, I couldn't stand up for myself. I felt like I, again, it was like the validation. I didn't want someone to leave I needed them to want me and if this was going to make them want me then it was I couldn't stand up for myself I would cave so quickly and that's how I ended up getting chlamydia and I think after that I felt so much more aware and angry when people were doing things like that this is also at the time of the me too movement which is shifting the ways that I think about sex as well because I think as the me too movement is going on I was I mean this is middle of college for me I'm sitting and having conversations with my friends about what we're seeing in the media the conversations that are happening and we're sitting back and going okay, well, this kind of makes me reflect on some of the experiences that I've had. I remember there being several conversations that I had in college where it was like realizing that something was assault when we didn't realize that it was before. And maybe we would before talk about like being coerced or persuaded saying no and having someone pester you and pester you and pester you until it turns into a yes I don't know that we had ever seen that behavior and thought anything of it beyond like oh he's such a fuck boy he's such an asshole I don't know that we were able to realize that like we were wronged in those situations that that was assault and And I remember having a lot of conversations around that time, like realizing how different and how wrong those situations were and feeling a lot of relief and being like, okay, so it wasn't weird that I felt that way. I wasn't being a prude or, or whatever, like my boundaries are being crossed. And now I had like examples to, to make sense of what had happened to me and all of my friends were going through the same exact thing. So I think that was changing the way that I was seeing and engaging with sex as well. And I think the mix of those two things, like suddenly when I would be intimate with someone and they would, you know, things are escalating and they go to put their penis inside of me without putting on a condom, without asking me, all of a sudden it would completely turn me off of a person. And I'd be like, how could you? Like, how could you even attempt to go make that movement and try to do that without asking me or without automatically putting a condom on? And it would make me furious. It would make me so mad that it'd be like, you, you, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and like, and that would make me so mad. One, cause I'm like, you didn't fucking ask. Two, do you not care about your own sexual health? Like I, at the time was having sex with casual partners. We weren't in relationships. So if you're going to have sex with me, 
without a condom so bravely like that without bringing it up, that leads me to believe that you're doing this with other people as well. And I can't imagine you're getting tested after every single partner because, yeah, sorry, I just don't have that much faith in a 22-year-old boy. So I was getting like angrier and angrier about the experiences that I was having and how, how little people seemed to care about their sexual health. And this is when I got more into sex ed than I ever was before. And I started caring very deeply about sexual health and, you know, then the pandemic hits and that changes things like I mentioned. And then I think my BV changed things for me as well, which I've, I've talked before about how I get chronic BV infections and the way it came about is a bit traumatic. I'm I'm not sure I'll ever talk about that on the internet, but it was hard for me when I started getting the BV infections. BV is the most common vaginal infection, by the way. It's very similar to a yeast infection, similar and different. Uh, depends person to person. Um, most people with vaginas will deal with BV at least once in their life. And sometimes people who get BV end up getting chronic recurrent BV infections. And I just so happen to be one of those people. So once I got BV for the first time two years ago, it's been a battle to get rid of it and get it to stay gone. And, um, sex triggers my BV. My period does and sex does. And so now BV has really changed the way that I experience sex because I might get sick when I have sex. I might all of a sudden have an infection because of this. And so there is like an added level of intimacy that I need with a partner because I need to be able to tell them about this. I need to be able to tell them like, listen, you've got to be like so delicate with my body because if you aren't, I'm going to have to deal with it in a few days. Like it's so easy for an infection to spark. My, my pH is so easily set off that like if I'm with someone and they don't get underneath their fingernails when they wash their hands well enough and then they go to finger me, it's over for me. I'm getting an infection. The tiniest introduction of new bacteria can offset my entire system. And all of a sudden, three days later, I'm like, oh, great. I have another infection. So there's like an added level of like intimacy and care that I really need from partners now that I never used to think about because this wasn't something that I dealt with. And now that it is, it's like, I can't, I can't just have casual sex with anybody with people who that don't like really deeply care for my well-being and want to like sit and have conversations with me and it's like if we do have sex and I get BV I cannot have sex while I'm being treated for BV so all of a sudden it's like I can't be your person that you have sex with every single day of the week my body's not going to let me do that like I I'm trying to find a solution there's Unfortunately, despite being the number one, you know, vaginal infection that women deal with, there are still so many questions with people who get recurrent infections. So anyways, that's changed my relationship with sex a lot. And I've just been reflecting on all of this, on how like different I feel now than I did when I was in like peak college 2015 2016 2017 like I reflect on those years of my like college life my crazy phase and how different I feel about sex now and you know what despite there being things that I've definitely been angry about like I don't love getting BV all the time struggling with that struggling with sex and my period triggering infections that sucks and that's really difficult and I don't, I'm not happy that this is the situation that I'm in, but I do feel some kind of relief that I do require so much more care and gentleness during sex now and there are parts of me that make it so that's a non-negotiable and there's no question of like, oh, am I not going to stand up for myself? Like I'll get sick if I don't, I have to stand up for myself. And so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I find it interesting just to look back on all the different iterations of 
my life and how differently I viewed sex and experienced sex when I was younger and how relieved I am that I don't experience it that way now. I think I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm relieved to have boundaries and to be able to stand up for myself, to not be having sex with people that try to put their penis inside me without asking if they should wear a condom first or just doing it. Preferably you just do it. I'm like thankful that I'm not dealing with people like that anymore and that I have to be with people that are a lot more delicate and gentle with me because my body quite literally requires it. So anyways, that's probably a deeper conversation. I probably have a lot more to say about that, um, particularly in regards to like how the Me Too movement changed the way that I saw sex. I'd actually love to have that conversation with some friends because I'd love to hear other people's perspectives on that because I think it changed a lot for me being a college student watching all of that. So, any who's it's, we've reached that part of the show where it's time to go over the last week of Love Island UK Season 9. Closing time. (laughs) Honestly, I'm fucking exhausted by this season. This is not my favorite season of Love Island. I think that it overall was kind of a shitty season. No shade. Complete shade. It wasn't the worst season of Love Island. The worst season of Love Island is season six, and it's because they're all friends for whatever fucking reason. Um, But I, I feel like season nine might be in second place right above season six second worst I mean maybe it's a little better than like season one and two I don't know I don't think so season one is so good just because of Hannah she carries that entire season season two was really good just because of the Miss GB incident where Miss GB gets dethroned mid-season for having sex which is so horrendous but so fucking funny it was great tv even though it was awful (laughs) The slut shaming was out of control. Everything was out of control in the first two seasons. But it's not like the 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 orgies that happened in the first two seasons were out of control. But I, I think that like overall, the first two seasons are not as good as the other seasons. Season five reigns supreme. I don't know, like the casting, the people who did casting for season five of Love Island, like literally deserve a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> they literally saved the world with season five of Love Island. I don't know. I don't know how they got that many reality TV golden people on that season it makes no fucking sense to me they got so lucky it is so good season nine I didn't feel that way even I loved season eight I Ekin Sue she she deserves a Nobel Peace Prize on her own Ekin Sue but yes season nine we didn't have anybody like that that was like you are reality tv gold we had none of them we had no bad bitches (laughs) so I was sort of like I didn't really like anyone this season. I think by the end of the season, my favorites are probably Jesse and Sammy, but I don't even, I don't know. I was sort of like meh about all of it by the end. So we've got like a pretty calm week to go over. I think the last week of Love Island is always kind of a little cheeky. It's not much to write home about. So we'll, this will be pretty quick. So week eight, Final League of Love Island. So we are coming fresh off of the ranking challenge where Shaq said mid-challenge that he thought that Ron only coupled up with Lana because Lana's well-liked, which obviously rubbed Ron the wrong way. Ron and Shaq end up having a little chat. Shaq says that he was just predicting what the public was thinking, but I don't know. From the public perspective, I felt like that was a little out of fucking left field. I don't... As I was watching it, I didn't think that it looked like Ron was just picking Lana because Lana's well-liked. So I don't know why Shaq would think that the public would think that. I didn't think that that was an accurate assessment, but maybe that's, maybe I'm wrong. Me and the British public are not always in alignment. <laughs> um, then they were also talking about how during the challenge, 
when they got to the question of like who who do you think is the most sexually compatible tom was having a conversation i forget with who but he was saying that he can't imagine ron and lana having sex which i think is kind of wild since they're with each other 24 7 so i feel like at this point if tom who's been in their presence for like two and a half months is saying that he can't imagine having them having sex i'm like that is interesting information Maybe they're like, I don't know. Like, is he playing a game? Because I feel like if you're around some, if you're around a couple for two and a half months and you're like, yeah, I don't see any sexual chemistry between them. That, that strikes me as a little strange. Which seemed to contribute to a conversation that ended up happening where Ron was talking about how when he was a Love Island viewer, he always thought that the people who got their drama out first and then sort of cruised through the end of the show were genuine. And Sammy later went on and said to, I don't know, I'm fucking remember, I'm losing my mind at this point. This happened so long ago and I honestly truly care so little about it. Sammy was like, he just outed his whole gameplay. Like, that's what he was planning on doing. Get all the drama out in the beginning and then you just cruise through the end of it, which like maybe, but I don't think he meant it that way. I honestly, I don't think that Ron is that smart. Sorry. I don't think that he's that like sneaky and conniving to like come up with a whole plan to get through to the end of Love Island. Like, I just don't, I don't believe that Ron is capable of that. Not that I don't think that anyone that's been on the show has ever felt that way or done that. I just don't know that Ron is the one. <laughs> um, so that starts up some drama because Sammy's going around telling people that Ron basically is a game player. While all that's happening, Ron is telling Rosie that he thinks that Casey prioritizes the boys a little too much and her not as much. This quickly turns into a confrontation between Ron, Lana, Casey, and Rosie. And Rosie basically told Casey that Ron said that Casey spends too much with time with the boys and isn't being good to her and she should create distance between the two of them. And Ron and Lana are like, what are you talking about? That is such an exaggeration. Which I, I really didn't know what to think during that whole interaction because I like understood why Rosie thought that that's what Ron and Lana were saying because they kind of were. But I also understood Ron and Lana's perspective of like, that is like taken way out of context and a little bit exaggerated based on what was actually said. So I don't know. I kind of understood both sides, but I mean, that is pretty much what he said. No, Ron eventually confronts Sammy for calling him a game player and sort of stirring up some unnecessary drama. Sammy, seems sort of oblivious that she caused any drama at all and honestly there's so much tension in the villa at this point I think they're all just fucking sick of each other which to be honest I would be sick of them too if I was in that villa for two and a half months these people suck to be honest with you <laughs> but um we make it to the talent show Sammy and Ron were really the only two with actual talents Sammy was tap dancing and then Ron solved a Rubik's Cube which is sick. Good for you, Ron. And Tom is perhaps like the worst singer I've ever heard in my entire life, but mostly because he's so off beat. Like I understand being like, you can't sing. You just don't have that talent. You don't have, you can't even sing a little bit. You're just, your voice sucks. That's fine. But it, it's like, it's one thing to have a bad voice and you can't sing like on beat. That's the part that confuses me. <laughs> I'm like, but don't you hear it? just sing along with the beat because what was he singing he was like uh singing that bruno mars song just the way you are and it's like you're listening to the track and he's like starting the verse like five seconds before it's supposed to start and it's like stop listen don't you hear it like that's fine you can be a bad singer it's the being off beat part that i really don't fucking understand <laughs> like can't you just listen to it what do you mean then we get to the elimination day. The public has been voting for their three least favorite couples. The lowest voted couples were Casey and Rosie, Shaq and Tanya, and Jesse and Will. The public ends up eliminating Casey and Rosie. Um, then we reach the baby episode, which is how you know that the show is fucking over. Boo! Hate the baby episode. Why the fuck do they keep it in there? It is so boring. It is so awful. I do not want to sit in my home and listen to robot babies cry. If I was love on, if I was on Love Island, I would throw the baby in the pool. What are you gonna do about it? 
What are you going to do about it? You're going to tell me that I'm stuck in the villa. I'm already stuck in the villa. You're already not letting me out. Like what, 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 what are you going to do to me if I throw the baby in the pool? Then they start going on their final dates and they're told that on the final date, they have to vote for who they think the least compatible couple is. They get back. Lon and Rana got two votes. Kai and Sanam got one vote and Will and Jesse got two votes. So from there, those three couples are vulnerable and the public can vote for which couple they're trying to save. As a result of the public vote, Will and Jesse get eliminated, which means the final four couples making it to the final of Love Island are Tom and Sammy, Kai and Sanam, Ron and Lana, and Tanya and Shaq. So I've been in a Love Island fantasy league, right? And I, last season I won. So I was feeling very confident. And this season... Honestly, I got screwed like week week three, I think it was. I did so bad and it's been so hard to recover from like week three where I did so bad, but I, I did it. I recovered. Okay. And I made it so that I, I, I don't even know how I recovered that, that well, where I managed to catch up. Like I was behind 300 points at one point. I managed to catch up up and in the last week before the finale it was like all of us were like three to five points away from each other we were neck and neck it was anyone's game and the finale fucked me because my predictions were totally fucking off but to be honest I like had to predict the way that I did because I could not put Kai and Sanam first I could fucking not do it I couldn't predict them like that because that man is so fucking boring I could not in good conscience vote him in my first top spot I'm sorry I couldn't I couldn't do it so my my votes for what I wanted the finale to go was I wanted first place to be Tom and Sammy second place to be Kai and Sanem third place third place to be Ron and Lana and fourth place to be Tanya and Shaq obviously fuck Tanya and Shaq specifically fuck Tanya but the whole relationship needs to die Ron and Lana I'm like totally indifferent about at this point Kai and Sanam I know are super well liked by the British public but they're so fucking boring (laughs) that man is so boring like I don't watch Love Island for love I watch it for fucking drama I'm not voting that man first oh my god and then I end up putting Tom and Sammy first because at the end they really were my favorite couple and I was a Tom hater for most of the series you guys know this but by the end because Sammy was like my favorite of everyone that was left I was like I have to put her first and I did feel like as much as I didn't like Tom he was pretty sweet to Sammy from time to time so I was like out of all of these couples I actually do think I like Tom and Sammy the best despite how much I don't like Tom I just could not vote for Mr. Boring to win Give him $50,000 for doing what? He brought me nothing this whole season. So I let my own feelings get in the way because the final rankings for who won was we had Tanya and Shaq in fourth. So I was correct about that. Then we had Tom and Sammy in third. Ron and Lana in second. Kai and Sanam won the whole thing. So I was like, what the fuck? Tom and Sammy in third? Me and the British public are not in alignment. Ron and Lana second? Kai? Kai! The guy with the personality of a broomstick came in first. What the fuck? And I get it's because like they're like the least insufferable, but isn't weren't they the least insufferable because they were on camera the least? Because they had nothing interesting to say? <laughs> I just, me and the British public were not in alignment on this one. I, but you know what? Me and the British public have not been in alignment a few times. We were for sure not in alignment season seven. I was so mad what they did. In, oh, not not season seven. Yes, season seven. Millie and Liam? You guys are literally so stupid for that. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. How the fuck did Millie and Liam win season seven? I still think about that to this day. I was so mad. Season eight? Who won season eight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agreed with them that year. Season eight, they were correct. Season seven, they were not. Season six, I thought they were correct too. I liked Paige and Finley, actually. 
I, I feel like that was controversial. Some people didn't like them. And season five was fine. I don't know if it was the correct choice, the correct winner, but it, I was fine with it. But maybe that's the thing. It's like every other season, the British public goes a little rogue. So maybe season 10 will be my winner. We'll see. <laughs> but that's it. We're done with Love Island season nine. And yeah, like I said, I'm kind of thankful for that because it was kind of a boring season and I need a little bit of my life back, you know, watching an hour of a TV show every single day, having to keep up with that. It's a full-time fucking job. Honestly, that's why it is part of my job now. <laughs> that's why I have made it part of my job. And also, I just love talking about Love Island. It's such a good fucking show. Overall, the premise of Love Island, I really do. I think it's the best reality TV show ever, ever on the face of the earth, vibes. But I do need a break because it is a lot. So, Godspeed. Looking forward to when season 10 comes back this summer. This summer. When the islanders go back in the villa to spice things up and get a little bit sexy, Will. <laughs> so, we'll see. But now, for those of you that so desperately want me to stop talking about Love Island, you'll have two months of freedom. But then I'm coming back and better than ever. You know, one of these days I'm going to convert you. And you're going to be like, I'm going to start watching Love Island finally because this bitch won't shut the fuck up. And then you're going to watch it and be like, oh my God, she was right. This show is unhinged. There's so many things wrong with this show. And that's why we love it. <laughs> so without further ado, I think it's time for me to stop talking. Because I've been talking for so long. So I'm going to go. It's nice hanging with you, mates. Catching up. See you next week. Okay, it's your turn. Truth or dare?